Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. You can find us on AmericaOutloud.news, where you will find all types of great podcasts, interviews, and radio shows that will keep you up to date on all of the events that are occurring in our country and globally. Tonight, I'm flying solo, but also tonight, I'm going to be talking about education our educational system, and what's lacking with education. Many of you know that I've been interviewing different schools here in the New York City area for my 10-year-old and 10-year-old nephew, middle school, the middle school ages. So here in New York City, you go around, you select a group of schools that are in your district, And you pretty much just go to see what the class of the schools have to offer. And I got to tell you, I'm terrified. I was terrified when they were in elementary school, but even more so now that they're going to middle school. And of course, after middle school, we have high school. Our educational system is failing our children. And it's been that way for quite some time. However, only recently have the curtains been pulled back and we see exactly what's happening. Now, I remember when I didn't have a kid and there was this big push by the left, of course, to keep private schools or charter schools from competing, so they say with public schools. And I didn't understand it. I'm like, why not go to public schools? It's a great education. And I had a great education by public schools. Now I see the difference. And I think that many parents saw it then, but even more so now, when COVID came and there was a complete shutdown, because they were then able to sit in and listen to what was it being taught. Notice I said, what was it being taught? Because what these parents found out is that everything was being taught to their was not being taught to their kids that should have been, but the things that were being taught was diversity and equity, sex education at a young age, things that kids could can't even grasp or understand, but was being pushed down their throats. And then our government was saying, no, they need to know this, they need to know this, we need to teach them this while outside of the United States, on the world stage, China, India, they were being taught the basics, math, reading, arithmetic, while our kids were learning about sex education and all the different genders. Now, some of you are probably saying, some of our listeners probably know about this, but then there are others that are new listeners that are saying, oh, I can't believe this. This is not happening. It's just one segment. No, it's not one segment. They have made this a core theme through everything that the child learns in school. Believe me, I've seen it. I'm witnessing it right now. And these young minds will be the future leaders of tomorrow. So while many of you are thinking that it's okay and that our kids will be okay, they won't be okay. They'll only be okay if they're working in that one silo in the United States and they're not interacting with anyone else. And we know that's not going to happen because we live in a global world. We have to be able to compete. Our kids have to be able to compete, but they won't be able to. 
Now, they will be able to compete on the level of gender transgender, uh, gender ideology, diversity and equity. Oh, they'll know all about that in the rainbow colors. But basic reading, arithmetic, they won't know about it because that's not important. What is important or what has become important is the indoctrination of our kids. Not good. Not good at all. And I will put all of this at the feet of the Democrats and the Joe Biden-Harris administration. I will dump it all there because in the past three years that he's been in office, he has completely changed our way of learning. Again, it was already, they had the underbellies of a tape seeping out. But when COVID hit, full bloom. And now when you look around you, you will not even reg recognize our educational system, even our, our, our schools. Because when you walk through the door, the first thing you're introduced to is the pride flag and not the American flag. Many of the schools don't even have the American flag. During the shutdown, I had to teach my son and his cousin they knew nothing about the Pledge of Allegiance. But you know what they knew about? The pride flag. Oh, I want to drive the pride flag. No, they didn't understand it. They just saw flag with a lot of colors. But the American flag went right over their head. So I had to teach them that. So when you walk into any school, especially in these big liberal cities, you won't see the American flag, but you will see the pride flag. What the heck is happening? Why are we so silent? Why are we allowing this to take place? Why aren't we standing up? People who see this and they know that it's wrong, but they're quiet. There will be hell to pay a decade from now when these young minds matriculate into the society and then they become our future leaders if we even have a society to look at. So as I mentioned, my guest today is Chad Stewart, who is the director and board chair of the Britfield Institute. The Britfield Institute is all about encouraging young people to value knowledge through creativity, literacy, and leadership. They also have a wonderful book series, Britfield, one of them, one of the books, Britfield and the Lost Crown. So I invited Chad to come on tonight to give his insight on what the Britfield Institute is doing and how he sees our educational system today. Chad, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. So you heard my opening, Chad. Is my concern misplaced? Should I be <laughs> concerned? Or am I just just like just ruffling the feathers or putting waves in the water that shouldn't necessarily be there? No, not at all. Your concern is very valid. And um, and it's interesting. There's a lot of threads we can pull on and a lot of things that need to be sort of talked about and revealed. And um, I think a lot of this, like you said, has come about since uh, 2020. And we can kind of dig into sort of what we're doing and, and, and how a lot of this stuff came about and what we're trying to do. But uh, take the conversation every, anywhere you want to go. But I, I, you can't be more extreme about it right now. This is this is our line in the sand. Much like Martin Luther said five hundred years ago, this is where I stand. You know, this, this there's no more. This is ridiculous. It's gone way too far, to say the very very least. And it's time for the entire United States to rise up and um, 
really eradicate what's happening right now in the schools and the people that are behind pushing it. So, Because I look at the person who's at the top, the pecking order, the apex, and it's Randy Weinkart. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with her or her background, but I am very concerned that she's at the top, and I don't know why she's at the top. I don't think she should be at the top because she doesn't share my values. I don't think she shares the values of many Americans. I think her values are operating in a silo that she is trying to push out, and I dare say those values is a gay, lesbian agenda. I am very concerned about it. And the amount of pull that she has in our public schools, the amount of pull that she has in our government is extremely dangerous. Now, some people will say, oh, well, no, you're being homophobic. No, I'm not being homophobic. I'm being a realist. How can she share the values of our school system when she is pushing an agenda that is completely against family values? Completely against it. But yet still, here we are with no one saying anything about it, and they're just allowing her just to push her agenda down, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. So at the Britfield Institute, let's start there. Sure. I mentioned your dedication to encouraging young people. How did you come up with this? What was the genesis of it? What did you see that was missing to create the Britfield Institute, Chad. Great starting point, sir. I'm originally from Newport Beach, California. I was back east, Wellesley, Massachusetts for 16 years. And I did my undergraduate in British literature, European history, eventually went on to grad school and then got an MBA and was an investment banker 12 years ago when I got the idea for um, a book series, really. And it was called, the first book was Britfield and the Lost Crown. And I had this idea when I was sent to this really boring seminar in Providence, Rhode Island, I think it was insurance and I had to go, you know, and I started to drift and I started to doodle. And it's where I got the idea for Britfield. So I sat down with this fun idea and it took me four years, 2,500 hours to produce the first of a seven book series, Britfield and the Lost Crown. And I think what I was trying to do is, is I was just trying to do something fun and creative and something that, that really frankly wasn't out on the bookshelves anymore. And I remember uh, as I was writing the the first book, I went into like Barnes and Noble and just saw what was on the shelf. And I was just, quite frankly, I was horrified. You know, I hadn't been, I hadn't looked at that particular shelf, you know, young adult middle school for you know decades. And, uh, you know, you have witchcraft and uh, demigods and superheroes and and magic and mysticism and vampires. And I'm like, dear freaking goodness. You know, I mean, it's just like, where's just some fun, great, you know, classic <laughs> yep. novel, the ones oh. I grew up with. And so, um, you know, what's great about book one is uh, it took 10 years, you know, from from writing it to building my team to launching nationally and then eventually globally. And we officially launched in August 2019. And um, it's a 384 page book. And what's great about it is book one takes place in England. It's present time. And I think that's really, really important. It's not post-apocalyptic. It's not futuristic. It's not sci-fi. It's like right now, real time, starts in England, Yorkshire, northern England at this horrible orphanage called Weatherly Orphanage. And again, there's a lot of representation throughout the book and themes throughout the book. Uh, And it starts out with Tom, 12 years old, and he's been an orphan his whole life. He's been at Weatherly for six years, and this is the year he's going to escape, but he's not going anywhere without his best friend, Sarah. And somewhere along the lines, they commandeer a hot air balloon, start flying through England, but they're relentlessly chased by the illustrious detective Gowerstone. That was kind of the theme of it. And uh, what's great about the book is it's really based on family, friendship, loyalty, 
and courage. And as children are reading it, as adults are reading it, they're learning about geography, art, architecture, and culture. And we hit the four C's in every single one of the books, creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration. So really what we've done with the Bitfield series is we can sit here all day and, and sort of, if you will, complain about what's happening in the system, or we can actually step up and do something about it. And this was our this is our way of taking the fight, you know, back in uh, with with the series by offering something that's just edifying, that's encouraging, that's inspiring, and that's real. And so, you know, as children are reading this, they're relating to real places, real history, real characters, and real situations that you cannot wave a wand to solve your problems. You do not have a magical cloak. You don't have superpowers. You know, and what's what all that's done is it's disconnected children from reality. Number one, number two, it's made them feel that they're not they're not good enough as as they should be. You know, and in sense, and in in many ways, there's a thread of transhumanism in in that. You know, and and you know, trying to be better than you are. And it's like we're all born creative, we're all born amazing, we all have gifts if we can find them and nurture them. And this will lead into the educational component. Um, and so since we launched it, it's become um, a national bestseller. It's in the top 1% of all books published within the same time frame. It's one of the most awarded books in children's fiction. It's a seven-book series that will travel around the world. We're in development of the first of seven major motion pictures. We launched the Britfield and Lost Crown theatrical play last year. We piloted it in October, launched it officially globally this year in February. And it's specifically geared towards elementary and um, middle schools and even high schools. And we're working on a couple of television programs. And so our youngest readers, seven, our oldest readers, 93, and 55% of our reading audience globally are adults. And so the series kind of fostered this whole idea of the Institute. And uh, in 2019, and this will lead into education, I, I drove 9,000 miles, uh, visited 23 states, presented to over 200 schools to more than 40,000 students. And I came in there, you know, as an award-winning author talking about Britfield, but I was really there to encourage them about creativity, about the importance of, uh, you know, trusting your instincts, individuality, um, the importance of storytelling. And, you know, I was in front of three, 400, you know, fourth through eighth graders giving this presentation, kind of dynamic, you know, and I and I play a couple movie trailers and some cool pictures. We talked a little bit about, you know, Star Wars and, you know, some really fun stuff and just got them very, very engaged, was trying to plant some very good seeds inside them. And you could hear a pin drop 45 minutes, you know, into the conversation. And so it was really amazing. Then we do Q&A and then I'd be there for about an hour, two hours sometimes doing book signings. But that was kind of fun, too, because I'd sit there and be talking and interacting with, you know, thousands of students, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, 11, 12, 13, finding out, you know, what they're reading, how often do they read? What do they like? I loved um, speaking with the teachers and finding out, you know, really in many ways what was going on behind the scenes, talking with the librarians, seeing what was offering on the shelves. So it really was in, in, incredible. And it was 2020 that I was in Memphis, Tennessee, March 2020. And I had to turn around and, and drive all the way back to San Diego when this whole thing started and all the schools were shutting down. And I said to my colleagues, I said, it'll be very interesting because we've been, we've been researching this stuff for, for, for years. We know what's going on behind the scenes. What's happened in 2020 is the curtain has been pulled. Let's be honest. And, and millions of Americans now are horrified of what's going on. And it has been going on for decades. And we're, we're sort of seeing the crescendo of it right now. But uh, I said, you know, it'd be very interesting when this whole thing is over and students go back to school, how many parents won't send their kids back to school? And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, I said, what do you think that is? You know, five, 10, 20%. And I said, I'm basing it on three things. Number one, for the first time, parents will be horrified 
by what their children are learning in schools as young as three, four, or five years old. Are you kidding me? Number two, how far their students are behind and some of the most basic um, skills. And number three, how quickly their, their children can uh, accomplish the tasks of the day, whether it's a book report or reading this or doing this assignment within, I don't know, what, two to three hours and have the entire rest of the day to what, grow up, play, do something fun, play a musical instrument, write a book, go out in the park. You know what I mean? Do be a child at eight or nine or 10 years old and do creative exercises instead of being in these industrial institutions that were founded in the 19th century, 40 hours a week, five days a week. And your only qualification to be in that classroom is that you're 12 or 13 or 14. And so I'll let you come back in. But um, And since then, I found statistics that that between 20 to 30% of parents aren't sending their kids back to the traditional public school system. So right now, there's a lot of negative out there, to say the least, and we're seeing it, and it's horrific and horrifying, and it needs to end immediately. But with that said, we're also in an educational reformation, and we're in, in a homeschool revolution. I agree with you completely, because I myself, as I opened up saying, I see it, I'm experiencing it, and I don't like it. And a lot of other parents are seeing it also, and they're saying, what do we do? I had on the show once before, Moms of America, and they were saying, form groups, get your kids out, pull them out. Now, we're up against a hard commercial break, and we're going to come back, we're going to continue this discussion, because I want to know more about the book series, and I find it interesting, like you said, that you're able to weave into it family, friendship, courage, as opposed to all this mystical stuff from what we're reading from Harry Potter. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Listen to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform. And my guest tonight is Chad Stewart of the Britfield Institute. We'll be back after this commercial break. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems, and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD, Global Healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. 
We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. After Dr. Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform, and my special guest tonight is Chad Stewart of the Brickville Institute. When we went to break, Chad was just explaining to us, giving us a background on the book series, The Brickville Institute, and one of the books he mentioned, Brickville and the Lost Crown. What I find interesting or found interesting when he was talking is how he was able to, or what they're doing is intertwining values that we all can identify with family, friendship, courage, acceptance of oneself, as opposed to dealing with the mystical elements that are out there. Now, I was a child once. I like to read about fantasies. I like to read about swords and people flying all over, but that's not embedded in realism. And I think what is happening now is that in a lot of our schools, for a lot of children, they're pushing that as if though that is a reality and kids are finding doubt in themselves, wanting to go into that mystical world that will never exist. Whereas you have a book series that deals with the basics and it also tells you about history, geography, being able to intertwine all of that in and then catch the attention of children, I think is wonderful, and we need more of that. And something else that Chad mentioned that I opened up talking about is how parents, they're just at their wits' end with our school system, public school system, because they see that everything or things that should be, be taught aren't necessarily being taught. And that's extremely dangerous. Their values. You send your kid to school with your values, and then they come back with something completely different. That is the reason why when Joe announced, I think during his first term, that he wanted to expand child care to include the ages of three, pre-K for kids as young as three. And a lot of people said, hooray, hooray, hooray. I don't have to worry about finding a babysitter. And I'm like, no, be careful of what you're asking for. Be careful of what they're trying to give you. Because in essence, what they're saying is that we will raise your child. We're going to give them our values. Once they enter into the public school system, that's it. They're ours. And he's even said, these are all of our children. And where have we heard that before? Communist China, Pol Pot. These are all of our children. Not, not Pol Pot, but Mao. These are all of our children. These are our children. These are the nation's children. We're going to tell the children what to do and not the parent. And that's extremely dangerous. That is a reason why now... We see that in our school systems, they want kids to hide things from the parents. Don't tell your parents this. We can change your name, and we won't tell the parent. You want children to make those decisions? You want children to keep things from parents? Chad, I got to say, that's dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. I don't know if you have children or not, but just listening to that and seeing what they're doing, and they're not trying to hide it. This is being done openly. Wherever you go, remember looking, uh, I think it was Virginia, whereby they had the FBI investigating parents who were concerned about the school curriculum. 
We used to rely on the school board. We thought the school board had our best interests at heart. Now we see that they don't because they've been indoctrinated. And when you look at the public school system as a whole, at least here, when I look at it in New York City, it is just inundated with all these wokies. From the top to the bottom, the principal, the teachers, they don't even look like teachers the way I used to see teachers. They come to school dressed the way they want to dress. They have the pride flag. It's it's enough to drive you crazy. But we can't give up because there are alternatives that are out there. Look at the Britfield Institute. Other than writing the books, what else are you guys doing? I know you said on your website, I was looking there like workshops. What else do you guys offer to parents, Chad? Well, I was just going to say, really, too, real quick. Um, you know, I love uh, as we you began your conversation. That's like you know, you got your child now. You're looking at middle schools, and you're taking a stop and a beat and a step back and, and saying, "Wait a second, I'm going to investigate all of this, and I am going to find the best possible educational you know system for my son." And that's what we have to do as a nation right now. We have that decision. We have that choice. Oh, you know, Mr. Stewart, you don't understand. I work full time and, 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 or, you know, both of us are this or that. I'm a single dad or a single mom. And, and I hear you and I, and, and I have my admiration for that. But the most important thing we can do right now as a nation, the single most important thing is the education of our children and to make sure it is the, it is the best it can possibly be and to guard that with everything. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the homeschool revolution, which is extraordinary. But some of the things that the Institute are doing, and, and that's what's exciting, and that's what kind of blossomed out of this whole book series. You know, number one, we're putting back good content into the schools. Book one, Britfield Lost Crown, is designed, you know, to be taught in the classroom. We have an 83-page study guide uh, with, you know, all the different chapter-by-chapter vocabulary questions. That's just easy for the teachers to, to, you know, take it and put it into the classroom and teach it. We're being taught in hundreds of schools right now. We're in thousands of schools across the nation, which is exciting. Some of the things we're doing with the Institute is we're uh, offering um, one thing we're, we've been doing for the last um, two years is the virtual author workshop um, or, or I'm sorry, virtual author visit. And we sort of had to do that in 2020. But it's great because it gives me a chance to come to any school anywhere and we give a nice fun presentation for like an hour and it's really great. It could be classroom. It could be an auditorium. And so it makes it a lot easier for the teachers to say, hey, you know, boom, big television. You, know, you bring this um, author in and we talk a little bit about Britfield. Then we talk about creative writing. I actually do a, a small little, uh, I think it's seven or eight uh, bullet points, you know, the seven steps to writing a story. And I can do that like within 15 or 20 minutes. And I'm just planting those, st- those seeds with those children within a presentation or, you know, um, for 40 minutes, 50 minutes. That's one thing. And it's kind of cool too. We did our first international school last year in Australia. <laughs> so that was like 16 and a half hours ahead of San Diego, but it was totally cool. And they're recorded too. So the, the, the teachers can come back and they can listen to them again, or they can share them with other classrooms. Uh, we do workshops. So we have um, one hour or five hour workshops. Um, we have a writing workshop, very intensive that we can do. And we can do it like once, once a week. We can do it uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And often we offer these things for free. The Institute, we're funding the Institute, the Ritfield Institute. So it's it's not like we're charging schools. We're, our main, my main focus is Title I schools, but we're obviously open to, to any school that's interested in it. We do a creative workshop, which is cool. We, we have a, a five-hour 
um, intensive, you know, um, workshop on creativity. And, and it covers like, we do a marketing workshop, marketing a product. We do an entrepreneurial workshop, you know, th uh, three to five hours on building a company. And you're saying for 10 or 11, 12 year olds, Yes, absolutely. Are you kidding me? You know, and I'm not going into like accounting, you know, and right, like exactly. Economics, you know what I mean? Like I'm not blowing their mind, but I, but kids are amazing at that age. They're very, very creative. We're all born creative. In fact, I have some some statistics here about the creativity crisis and the importance of creativity. If I can lead into it in a minute, but, but Chad, wait, 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 before yeah. you do that, let me just say one thing because you you going yeah. to break. You had mentioned, you know, the old school paradigm of bringing kids to school and sending them there for like seven or so hours and they're just they're brain dead wandering off and from what i've been reading that's just not the way we should be trying to educate our kids especially no. little boys because they're active and trying to force a kid to sit at a desk while some teacher stands up and lectures to them is just not a good idea now go into your system no. Yeah. So here's some great statistics. Well, not great, but these are these are interesting statistics. I always love to kick it off with this. But George Land was a researcher and he was hired by NASA this is decades ago to create a creativity test for the astronauts. And I know NASA is a whole nother story, but needless to say, for the sake of the argument, uh, you know, because you have these astronauts coming in and in engineering, mathematics, you know, that kind of uh, analytical background. But they needed to be creative. They needed to be able to think you know, beyond the box, outside the box. They need to think, brainstorm ideas, troubleshoot things. And so he took this same test, this creativity test, and he implemented it into the educational system. And throughout the nation, he started, um, uh, you know, giving it to five-year-olds. And so he would give this test to five-year-olds. And these are these are the stats that he, he received. And then he did this for about 15, 20 years. He followed these children throughout their educational system. Five-year-olds were scoring 98% of creativity. I mean, basically 98 out of 100 kids were little geniuses. As all children are born, they're all born creative. They're all born amazing. You know, forget genetics. My kid doesn't have the genetics. That's all bunk. That's bunk science. Genetic. Exactly. That's yep. Completely irrelevant, you know, or, oh, I only use 10% of my brain. Bunk, we use all of our brain. You know, everything pr pretty much that you've learned about all that crap out there is crap. But so he, he tested these five-year-olds, 98% creativity. He went back, tested them at 10 years old. Their scores dropped to 30%. Then he went back and tested them at 15 years old, and they uh, tested at uh, 12%. So from five to 15, they went from 98% creativity to 12% creativity. And so basically what we discovered and found was that, that the schools were basically teaching creativity out of students. And that's really what we're trying to do with Britfield and Lost Crown, the series, the Institute, is to bring creativity back into the classrooms. And there was another woman out there wrote an extraordinary book. It's called The Creativity Crisis. Her name is Dr. Kim. She's uh, out of William and Mary. And she, um, she actually uh, researched over 300,000 students nationwide and gauged this thing for almost 20 years uh, with these tests. And she found that since the 1990s, schools have killed curiosities and passions, narrowed visions, lowered expectations, stifled risk-taking, destroyed collaboration, narrowed minds, killed deep thoughts and imagination, forced conformity, solidified hierarchy. As a result, children have become less emotionally expressive, less energetic, less humorous, less imaginative, less talkative less verbally expressive, less uncontroversial, less lively, less passionate, and less less perceptive. So 
Um, interesting, right? Some well, interesting right, no, ch ch Chad, let me ask you yeah. this. Why do you think those are really, that's really interesting, the numbers and everything they just read and said to us. Why do you think the public schools are doing this? They're trying to take out the creativity. They're trying to create zombies. Now, I have my thoughts on it. They want sure. to have little, little servants, little activists, not servants, but activists. That yeah. are running around that will do whatever they want them to do because once you take out that creativity as you said all kids have it but once you beat it out of them and you're saying no this is what you're supposed to do that's it and we see that right now you look at what we've turned out look at the kids that are out there now thinking they know more than <laughs> they know it's like oh, it's are brutal. you serious they're and these will be the future leaders is this by design? Do you think it's by design? I oh, completely. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I, yeah, it's good. You you already touched on it. You know, with um with China and, and a and a communistic mentality. And that's all it is. It's it's socialism. It's been socialism for for decades. There's a great book out there called the the deliberate dumbing down of America. And the woman who wrote it actually worked under the Reagan administration and was involved in the uh, educational. And she saw this, these big um, foundations that were funding the educational system to really, you know, bring in socialism. And as I'm saying all this, I know there's a lot, there's thousands of great teachers out there. And and I'm, I'm sorry that so many of you have to go through this crap. And uh, we as a nation need to rise up and bring back our educational system. Uh, to the standards that it was. And I was fortunate. You know, I grew up in Newport Beach, California. I had a wonderful school, had a wonderful elementary school, I had wonderful teachers. And those teachers and those classrooms and the creativity that I learned during that time has lasted me a lifetime. And, and they know, if you will, we'll call it the enemy. The enemy knows how important it is to hammer and warp and twist 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds' minds because it's such a critical and crucial age. And so you cannot let these, let's call them demons, don't let these demons get into your children's minds and protect them. And if you got to yank them out of these disgusting systems, pull them out, homeschool them, find, find alternatives. And let's talk just real quick because we're, we're in a uh, homeschool revolution right now, which I'm excited about. And I have no personal um, stock in it, if you will. I wasn't homeschooled. I don't, I don't, I don't like part, I don't, I'm not involved in it. But when you see a model that works and a model that is closest to the way that it should be, of how education should be, I get excited about it. We've gone from 5 million to over 15 million homeschool homeschoolers. It's probably about 20 million in the last two and a half years. That's a revolution. That's exciting. Um, it and, and it's that's that's, it, that's, it, that's unbelievable. And, and it's my, a huge, yeah, and it's a huge um, option. You might sit there and say, I can't stay home and homeschool my kid. Don't think of it that way because uh, there's so many different alternatives. Instead of dropping them off at, at one of the institutes, you can drop them off at a homeschool group. There are so many alternatives of, of homeschooling and how to do it and to, and to get involved in a great homeschool group or a charter system that, that also does like a hybrid model of homeschooling. There are tons and tons of options out there. And I want to tell you this from all our research, all my education last 10 years, and I've got, I had private tutors when I was younger, which some of the top private schools in the, in the world. And the best, the best uh, educated kids that I have found are homeschool children. You know, if you tell me your kids are homeschool, I get excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have real conversations. I can actually talk to them, you know, <laughs> and they're going to ask me some really good questions. I find that homeschoolers are well-grounded, well-educated, um, not, not fidgety, ask good questions, well-read. And usually by 15 or 16, they're already taking, you know, college courses. 
Um, and it's incredible. And they're and they and they really are our future leaders of this world. They are, and that's what we need, as opposed to just sending our kids to school, public schools, and they're being indoctrinated. As I mentioned in the uh, first block, we had on our show Moms of America, and they were saying that parents need to come together and create little pods of yes. parents that can educate our children, as opposed to leaving it up to the public schools. I mean, we see the problems that are there. Like I said, even myself, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's about to go into middle school, my son and nephew, and they're going to be further indoctrinated. And I don't want that. It is a scary no. thought. And I know that a lot of parents are saying, what do I do? I can't do this. But you can do it. You have to empower yourself. You have to do the research. Because at the end of the day, you're responsible for that child, not the government. The government will take that child and will screw their minds up and will take away the values that you want them to have and will give them their values, and then we're all doomed. It's time to wake up. It's time to mobilize. It's time to get active sure. and not be afraid because there are other things that are out there. There are other opportunities, other things that we could do to help our children. And it's so unfortunate that the government has keyed in on this vulnerable group, knowing that if we get the children, we can change the world. We can change everything. They will think the way we want them to think. We're up against another commercial break. You've been listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. And my special guest tonight is Chad Stewart. We'll be back after this commercial break. Thank you. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. We're back to the last half 
After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform, we're having a conversation with Chad Stewart of the BritBuild Institute. He shared a lot of knowledge with us. And I know that a lot of you are probably wondering, how can I find this? How can I look this up? Chad, let the folks know where they can go and find out, learn more about you and the BritBuild Institute. Yeah, sure. Uh, just, you know, you can just punch in, uh, you know, search, Google search, uh, Brit, Britfield, B-R-I-T, Britfield, uh, institute.org, Britfield Institute, or check out our website, Britfield, B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D, Britfield.com. It's an award-winning website. It's got over 400 pictures of England because it's based on book one that takes place in England. It's got interactive map, maps. It's got over 100 pages of information. Uh, it's got our, our store. It's got our interviews. It's got our school tour. It's got our play. If you're interested in, in putting on the Britfield Lost Crown play, bringing in a really cool, exciting, engaging uh, theatrical play for your homeschool group, for your school, for your theater program. It's wonderful. It has speaking roles for over 30 actors, um, and, and the 30 actors are involved through the entire play, and it's easy to costume. It's fast-moving. It's extraordinary. It's educational, and it's wonderful, so we're really excited about that. Okay, Chad, thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Now, I want to backtrack a little bit here, go back to what I – and I'm always going back to this when I opened up – the concern that many parents have, you know, uh, taking on this responsibility of educating their children, making certain that they're doing the right things, hearing all the horror stories. But there are some good stories that are out there when you do take this on. And you're not alone, as I mentioned, because there are so many other parents that are Millions. facing the same thing and they're wondering, what do we do? Where do we go? And when you see what's being pushed down from this administration, that our children belong to them not to us, of course that is concerned. And when you're sending your kids to school and they're, they're having your kids to sh keep little secrets from the parents, I've heard so many stories of parents saying, my child was told not to tell me this. I had a guest on one other night on the show and she was completely dismayed at what the teachers were trying to teach her sons and daughters. Thankfully, they had a very strong family background that they yes. divulge the information to the parents and said, hey, this is what we're being told. And I would say to the parents right now, you know, open up that line of communication. Don't be afraid. Tell your child, whatever you want to talk to me about, please come to me, come to mommy and come to daddy. Because the moment they feel that they can't talk to you, of course, that's what the school wants. And then they start keeping all these little secrets. And as I mentioned, it is by design. Everything that's happening here is by design. They want access to your children at an early age because they know that children are sponges and they will just soak in what's put in front of them. It's by design and we have to have a design to counter it. We have to push back. We have to make certain that our values are out front and center as opposed to letting these public schools take control. Now, I know a lot of people are so used to the government will take care of us and the government have, they don't. And they won't. They don't have the best ideas. I know that the whole public school system, people feel good about it. I grew up in a small town in Arkansas. So for me, that worked. For my parents, it worked. And I felt, oh, wow, this is great. But coming to a big liberal state, liberal city, I see the difference. There is a huge difference. And so many of you, our listeners, are seeing the exact same thing. So you cannot rely Go to bed thinking that everything is going to be fine because it is not going to be fine. And if you think I'm scaring you, yes, I am. 
I am definitely scaring you because when you look out at the lay of the land and you look at the miseducation of our children, their belief system, what they know, they're taught to hate America. They're taught to hate other people. The reverse racism is not reverse racism. It is racism against one group. Well, don't like them. Like this, and they, they, they have been nothing but colonizers. And you see this all over. And when you stop and ask them, what do you mean? What are you talking about? They can't tell you. The only thing they'll say is, well, this is what they told me at school. I remember one day I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we were talking about math. And he said that the teachers told the kid they were, had taken a math test, Chad, and it was basic arithmetic. And that one of the kids got the answer. I'm just throwing this out there. One plus one, the kid said it was five. And the other kid said, no, it's not right. They said, why isn't it right? Well, because one plus one is two. Well, it doesn't have to be two. It could be something else. And I'm thinking, are you serious? And he said, yeah. And the teacher apparently was was serious about it. So he confronted the teacher to say, well, why would you say two plus two could be five and it's actually two? It's like, well, why do you think it can be five? At that moment, I thought, it's over. That's it. And so well, some of you are probably thinking, well, no, that can't happen. It's happening. Something as silly as that is happening. And that's what they're telling their kids because they don't want them to think, that, oh, well, you got it wrong. It's like the whole concept with everyone is a winner. I remember some years ago, everyone became a winner. Everyone is going to get a participation award. It's like, and now, some years later, we see the effects of it, that right is wrong and wrong is right. How can this be? I'll tell you, because we took our eyes off the prize. We took our eyes of what really mattered. And we left it, we turned it over to the government thinking that the government has all the answers. The government will do it for us because we're paying our taxes. And I got to tell you, the government will not do it for you. The government is not the answer. And it doesn't matter if you're paying your taxes because they're using your tax dollars to indoctrinate your children. They're using your tax dollars to make certain that your kids don't understand right and wrong the way it should be. They're using your tax dollars to do everything but the right thing. So when we step back and we say, oh, there's no hope, that's what they want. They will try to beat you down, turn everyone against you. As I mentioned, you look at what happened in Virginia when they had the FBI going after parents. That's a scary thought. You have someone knocking on your door. It's the FBI. You have the police knocking at your door, and you're wondering, oh, my gosh, what have I done? That is enough to silence you. That is enough to shut you down. But we can't be silenced. We can't be shut down. We have to stand up for our children, and we have to keep fighting over and over again. And not only that. Your votes matter. You don't give up there. Just because your person didn't win the election, you go back again. Because they're hoping again to beat you down so that you will give up. They want submission, complete submission. And this is what has happened. And so many other societies, when you look at China, as I mentioned, you look at Germany with Hitler. This will happen when people get tired and they say, I can't do it anymore. I give up. And the moment you give up, they come in with their agenda, and then all is lost. And then you realize that they, you have raised a generation of children 
who've been miseducated and buying into their propaganda chat, what do you say? Very well, eloquently put and, and, and excellent. And, and so I, I think personally, we're in the last days of the traditional uh, public school system. That's, that is not just my hope, but that is my belief. It's the last days of Nazi Germany right now. And it's interesting, Hitler had said, give me one generation of children. And they know that. What you're seeing right now is the communist playbook, you know, check by check, step by step. And so, yes, it's never been a more important time to make a stand. Our children's education is really the most important thing that should be in our lives and making sure they get the best possible education, whether it's private, whether it's homeschool, whether it's charter, you need to do your due diligence, you need to do your work. And and uh, really, the time of excuses and laziness and complacency is over. I wanted to share a couple interesting stats too, real quick, but and then a story if I have, if I have a couple minutes, but um, we are we are in a creativity crisis and have been for decades, yet creativity is the single most important skill set in the world. And that's based by science research. Right now, it's not mathematics, it's not engineering, it's not uh, law. You know, 80% of legal jobs will be obsolete in five to 10 years because of AI and technology. 40 to 50% of all um, accounting jobs will be obsolete in uh, in the next five to 10 years. Creativity, creativity is the number one most desired skill, five, five to one to 10 to one for, for people applying to jobs. Um, because they need people that can think on their on their on their feet, that can look at problems from a different angle, that can adjust as the world adjusts. You know, we don't even know where we're going in the next 18 months because things are moving so fast. And so you have this degree and gosh knows what, right? You're getting 22-year-olds that are graduating from college that can't spell their name or tie their shoelace. But some interesting things too, just to be aware of the IQ test. Oh, the watermark of how intelligent we are is a, another myth. It was actually <laughs> developed. It was another, it was developed by Al, um, Al, Alfred Binet, creator of the IQ test, intended the test to serve precisely the opposite function. It was designed to identify children with special needs. And what he found is in, in the test that they now uh, have as a watermark is, is that it's not designed um, to, to test. You, you cannot measure intelligence on a linear surface. And that's what they're trying to do. You know, like, oh, he's got this kind of IQ. And it, and, it, and the idea with the IQ is that it's it's a set. No, you, you, could become, you could become more intelligent from 5 to 6 or 10 to 15 or 20 to 25 or 30 to 35. Um, so again, the IQ test is not the watermark. It actually was designed to do the complete opposite. And the designer of the SAT test, Carl Brigham, conceived the test for the military. It was, for, it was designed for the military, and he disemboweled it five years later because it didn't work. And that was, again, picked up by the educational system for high schools, the watermark. And yet it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't test anything. The SAT is irrelevant because it has nothing to do with what children learn in high school nor translates into their career. And so they set all these traps, if you will, all these things. Oh, my kid's not. We had them tested. Tested by who and by what? Your kids are all intelligent. They all have gifts. Here's here. I want to bring it to conclusion with, with one of the best stories I've ever heard. And I think it personifies because... Every child is not a box that you can shove into a classroom for 40 hours, you know, a week. And, and, and you said it and expect them to sit there hours, you know, on the day, you know, reading or listening at, at nine or 12 or 11 years old. And they have all this great energy in them, all this great creativity. And so I, I first heard this by Sir Ken Robinson, who has since passed. And one of the best TED Talks, if you ever listen to it, is called, uh, it's, it's by Sir Ken Robinson, Are Schools Killing Creativity? It's the number one most watched and downloaded TED Talk out of thousands of TED Talks. And you have to ask yourself why. He knocks it out of the park in this 18-minute conversation. And he ends it with this story 
of this woman called Jillian Lynn. And she was a uh, choreographer. She did Cats and Phantom of the Opera. And he starts off by telling the story that um, when she was young, um, uh, it's kind of like the 1930s and 40s, you know, when she was in, in the classroom, she was eight years old. You know, her teacher thought she was hopeless. She kind of sat in class and she was fidgety and, um, you know, assignments were kind of late and um, she was kind of getting in trouble. Like most kids at that age, you know, when you stick them in a box and they were kind of mom was really kind of worried. And the teacher said, you know, you should should take her to a specialist. And so um, and so she did. The mom took her to a specialist psychologist and um, psychologist sat her down for a couple of minutes and was talking to her about 20 minutes. And the mom was in the other room and and he said, well, you know, Jillian, thank you so much. Um, Sit here and um, I'm going to go talk to your mom for a couple minutes and then we'll we'll come back. And right before he left the room, he turned on the radio and uh, walked out and closed the door. And there was like a window you could look in. And, uh, you know, the mother said, you know, uh, Mrs. Lynn said, you know, what's wrong with her? And he said, you know, Mrs. Watch her for a second. And and immediately Jillian got up and started dancing around the room and moving to the music. And he said, you know, Miss Lynn, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's a, she's a dancer. Take her to a dance class. And so she did. And, uh, and it was amazing. So, um, he said, Mrs. Lynn, Mrs. Lynn, Gillian's not sick. She's a dancer taking her to dance class. So her mother did. And, and Jillian said, I can't tell you how wonderful it was. We walked into this room and it was full of people like me, people who couldn't sit still, people who had to move to think, people who had to move to think. And um, and they did ballet. They did they did tap. They did jazz. They did modern. They did contemporary. She was eventually auditioned for the Royal Ballet School. She became a soloist. She had an amazing, wonderful career at the Royal Ballet. She eventually graduated and opened up uh, the Gillian Lynn Dance Company uh, and trained thousands and thousands of future dancers. She met Andrew Lloyd Webber and started work with him. And she was involved in Cats and Phantom of the Opera. She's entertained and brought entertainment to to millions of, of people worldwide. And she's a multimillionaire. Someone else would have put her on medication, told her to sit down and shut up. Wow. That's a powerful story. Retooling our educational system. And it just goes back to the values, knowledge, creativity, literacy, and leadership that the Britville Institute is dedicated toward. That's so powerful because having to sit in a classroom all day, be still, shut up. And if you can't do it, here, take medication. You're stifling, you're killing that child's creativity. Because as you mentioned, it's been years, hundreds of years of just sitting there using the same method for trying to educate our children. And now they're introducing the indoctrination when these kids are creative in other ways. They think differently, they learn differently. And we hear that. But schools don't practice it because they have a paradigm that they want to put you in this little box and you've got to do it this way. And if you don't do it that way, we're going to pump you up with pills. And our way is probably indoctrination to the way we want you to view world, the way we want you to see things. And that's just wrong. And we see that now. And it's time for parents to start waking up and getting involved. And we say that all the time on After Dark with Robin Andrew. Parents have got to start getting involved. We cannot just wait for the government to do it or thinking that the government has our best interests at heart because they don't. And you think of the number of kids who've just been turned out and told, you're dumb, you're stupid, you can't do this, simply because 
they can fit into that little box that the schools wanted them to fit into. They were going to think outside the box. They didn't want that indoctrination. But when you have these two worlds colliding and no one is saying, let me take my child out. Let me look at something different. As this woman's parents did with her, it's like, there's nothing wrong with her. She's a dancer. Now, just imagine so many other kids that are sitting there in that box and they're trying to know you're going to do it this way. Whereas if they were to take them out and place them somewhere else that fit it, they would be successful. Great story. Well, Chad, I got to say, I've enjoyed having you on. I've enjoyed this conversation. And I'm sure that our listeners have enjoyed it also. What is one thing you would want our listeners to take away from tonight's conversation? Invest as much time possibly in your child's future. And I mean, by in the simplest of ways, by spending, making sure that maybe every Saturday evening or every Saturday afternoon, or, or maybe it's Sunday for three hours, you guys do something creative. You take them to the park, you take them to the museum, you take them to a walk along the shore, whether it's the lake or ocean, take them into the city and you look at architecture. Uh, you, you spend some time at the library, you know, maybe once a month you guys go to the library or maybe every three weeks and you pick out one or two books and then you sit there and you, you read through them with them or look at them. They're picture books, you know, maybe you don't have the money to afford to go to, to uh, London or Paris, but you can get a book on it. You can look at some fun pictures. Maybe you could um, uh, download a documentary, you know, or, or some of these travel logs, you know what I mean? And just have fun with your kids and opening up their world to the possibilities of art and architecture and writing writing and travel. And that's what we're doing with the Britfield and Lost Crown series. Um, spend that time. And, oh, I don't have time. You don't have time not to spend that time. Period. Exactly. You don't have time not to spend that time. You've been listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform and my special guest, Chad Stewart of the Britfield Institute. Thank you. Good night and God bless.